0: Well, the Jets look good besides the quarterback spot. Correct. I think if they give Mike White a real chance to actually get into a rhythm, he could be something special. But they haven't given him a chance to get any actual playing time. He'll play a game, then they'll take him out. Then he'll play a game three weeks later, then they'll take him out then he got hurt he broke two ribs yeah. Yeah. in that game and then so then he played like hell last week because he had two broken ribs and he's not Tom Brady so i think i think they get tom brady i think it dominates the headlines huge story i mean it's interesting huge story it's interesting i wouldn't be mad at it no i'd be interested to watch it unfold yeah, yeah. I don't know that our offensive line is good enough for Tom Brady to accept that offer. You know what, though? At, every offensive at line. At 50 years every old? Every offensive line in the NFL is shit. For the I, most part.
1: Every single team. I mean, like, you just... The, the. I mean, the problem is, is like, look, not the problem, but like the reality is, is like, you look at defenders, look at games like 20 years ago, right? Right. And you had defenders like who were like pudgy. You had... You know, smaller now. All these guys are like Matt Judon. They're all like 6'5", 250. They can drop into coverage. They can blitz. They can. They they're they're monsters. So like like that. You know, you've got D linemen who can run like four four. Like, yeah. like, and it, 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 that's tough to stop.
0: Well, it's a different game now. Yeah, and I I
1: also just think like the lack of practices in the NFL. Like I think that hurts the line, and it hurts picking up coverages. And like also, just the defenses are so complex. Yeah, they're they're disguising coverages all over the place. I mean, I remember when like zone blitz came out, and that was like a big thing. And now all these defenses are so complicated. Like quarter, like you don't know where the blitz is coming from. You know. Yeah, it's become a much more complex game for sure. And the, the defenses. I mean, the defenders are just so athletic. The players are so athletic.
0: Well, and you're not allowed to kill people anymore, which changes the game.
1: You're not allowed to kill people, but I just think I just think that offensive line is incredibly hard to play. And I mean, just watch the games; like nobody. I mean, it, it feels like every single game, every quarterback is under like immense pressure.
0: Yeah. Well, also, I feel like young people don't strive to be alignment. Right? Like, it's not a glory position. It doesn't get a lot of credit. It is a position that you play for a lot longer, but, you know, it's not, like, a high-pay position. It's not... Like, you have to work really hard to become, like, a Nick Mangold. Sure. Right? Like, to be recognized for a lineman, like, you have to be really special. Yep. So, I don't think people are, like, putting in the work to be like, I'm going to be the best offensive tackle there is. Right? So... I think that plays a big factor in that stuff, too. I mean, just, I mean, I, I think, it's,
1: yeah, that that's a huge factor and just the talent level and defense is insane. I mean, you've got safeties and quarterbacks. I, I think any one of these guys or multiple guys can come at the quarterback at any given point. It's just, if you have a perfectly schemed and perfectly executed play, like, you can stop it. But otherwise, like, the game is so physical, so fast.
0: Right. The speed. The speed of it. The speed has changed. Yep. In the last 10 years, for yep. sure. Yep. It is a much faster game. The turf. And it's fast. Yeah. So about. I assume we're good in recording. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> so who are you and what do you do, sir?
1: I, I'm Ryan McKean. I am a lawyer and CEO of Connecticut Trial Firm.
0: So I've known you for a while now. Yeah. I've known you for almost, what, four years? Yeah. It's been four years? You came to my office like right before COVID. Yeah, uh, because uh, Jeff had just completed it. I think that was a year before COVID. Yeah, I think that was a full year before COVID, and then we started doing content with you right after that during About, COVID. Yeah, during COVID, you covered our first retreat. Yep, outside. Yep. Yeah, we did that at Andrew's house, right? Yeah, yeah that was the first shoot, and your dog was just a puppy then. Yeah. So, how old's your dog? That will determine how long we've been. He's, living about, he's about two and a half. He's born on the third of July. Yeah. And so um, he, yeah, two and a half. Yeah. And so there we go. Yep. It's been that long. Um. Well, thank you for coming on. Appreciate so it. He did. So you have done it all. You've written books. You started your own business. You are the quintessential iota of success in my world like you you've literally checked a lot of boxes of this is what i want to do so i'm gonna go do it so what kind of lawyer are you i'm an injury lawyer okay so you guys get a bad rap so how do you how do you manage that situation
1: you just don't hear it you don't hear the booze you know you you really you get up every day and you're like i get to help people who are hurt and um The work is meaningful to us and you know i mean we we just i was just in court today for a client and it's like we you know paralyzed and uh he's going to get a house and he's gonna he's like i'm gonna have you over my house it's gonna be handicapped accessible i'm gonna cook for you because he loved to cook and he couldn't do that when he got paralyzed because he doesn't have accessible stoves and things like that and i'm just like when i when that happens like i'm gonna be moved to tears of of joy and I don't think there are too many legal jobs where you get to make that impact
0: for people. And I love it. Yeah. So walk me through how you decided to become a lawyer.
1: <laughs> I, I think it's probably one of those things that, um, um, you know, I, I thought, I thought a lot, uh, I thought a lot about this. Um, and, uh, I grew up, you know, very middle class. Uh, my dad was, my dad served in the uh, army and he did technology in the army. My mom was actually a legal secretary and, um, she was a stay at home mom for me when I, when I was born. Um, and so I think, you know, a, a large part of my career has been like a techie lawyer, um, taking the tech side from my dad, the legal side, uh, for my mom. And, um, you know, it, it's just like I, I wanted a career where I could where I could help people and do meaningful work. And, you know, I never wanted to become a corporate lawyer or anything like that. I wanted to work with people. And it's been a great job. It's been a great fit for that reason. Have you
0: always been injury law?
1: Um, well, the answer to that, the answer to that is yes. Um, But oh, I, I started off as a law clerk at an injury firm. And then I went in, I became a, I worked at a general practice, like an old school, like local firm where I did litigation. I did some injury work, but I could also be doing a real estate closing or a will or divorce. Um, but over time I, I, it was the injury cases that I really liked to work. Um, because I think that there's a creative element to them. And I, I narrowed my practice down to just doing that because i i realized like to get really good at something like i have to just focus on
0: on that and go real deep so what about the law is it that interested you because there's a lot of ways to help people why the law um i i i I really
1: i i think it was like i went to i was gonna go to college be a teacher and um i was in i was like two weeks before I was going to go away, I was in a car accident and my car got, my car got totaled and it just was like such an unpleasant process. Cause I was a paper boy and I'd worked to buy this car. 1986 Honda Accord LXI, you know, fuel injected, uh, hatchback uh, for those out there, the kids out there that used to have to like put your foot on the gas before you started it. And the LX, the I meant you didn't have to do that. Um, so, cause it, it had fuel injection and I love that car. And, you know, it got taken away from me and I felt screwed over by the insurance company. And, um, you know, as I went through uh, through college, um, you know, actually one of my high school teachers who was inspiring me to be a teacher, he was like, Ryan, you're not don't do this. He's like he's like, you're like, it's too small for you. You need you need. And I I was like, "Okay." Um, So I never took any teaching classes. And I majored I majored in history uh, with an eye towards uh, going to law school. How long was it before you started your own practice? I was an associate for, I was on my own, I was out for almost seven years, like six and a half years.
0: And then you started your own practice?
1: Yeah, I, I started with um, uh, Megan uh, Freed and Kristen Markcroft, uh and uh, we had Freed McKean, now Freed Uh and you've worked, you know, I know you've yep. worked with them, and um, uh, we, uh, they were brave enough to, I texted Megan, and I said, hey, you want to start a law firm? I'd read, I'd read the Steve Jobs book and I was like, you know what? My life is becoming too conservative. Like I need to, I'm 30 years old and I need to, I need to do something. I need to shake it up. And uh, I texted Megan after a few gin and tonics uh, down in Bahamas. I was in Bahamas and uh, I said, you want to start a law firm? Which was insane because she was, uh, she worked at a insurance company, like doing insurance stuff. And she didn't say no. She was like, Hey, let's talk. Uh, And we did. Um, And, um, you know, we're like, hey, let's just do this thing and do it our way and do it differently. And that's the genesis of really, like, two of the more successful law firms in the area and in our respective uh, arenas.
0: Yeah, because she does family law. Yep. Like Megan
1: and Kristen do family law. Yeah. yeah.
0: So then you started CT trial. You broke off and did CT trial.
1: Yeah. We had very, you know, we had ultimately differing visions. They didn't want to do injury. Like, I didn't like doing family law. So we we split up. Um, and I went out, I was actually a solo. I had McKean Law Firm and I was, uh, to work, actually work at a one man band. (laughs) Um, and I had, uh, I ended up hiring my, uh, former paralegal Ruth, uh, who's still with us. Ruth was with me when I was an associate and she'd retired and I convinced her to come out, work part time. Um, and then Andrew came and rented space in my basement when I was in main street in Glastonbury. And then we just started working about like, Hey, we want to try cases. is what we want to do. And uh, that's the genesis of Connecticut trial firm,
0: so you focus a lot on goal setting and achievement. yes? no, 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 I don't i like I don't set goals
1: like i i like I'm obsessed with process. like I'm obsessed with getting better at everything. um and um, you know, I don't set like I want monetary goals or I want. I want I want results um you know I mean I, I I mostly like I mean we set a goal with like the firm of like we wanted to get a 10 million dollar jury verdict and we set that when we had no business ever thinking about it we had no case that size right um but but generally speaking like I'm really obsessed with um systems and processes and executing on systems and processes like I mean I've read somewhere like you know it's it's one of these things where it's like you know uh, losers have goals and winners have systems and so that's that's
0: where i spend a lot of my time okay which makes sense i think that's probably pretty accurate that winners have systems to get to where they're going so then how do you know where you're going
1: well i i, I um that, that that that's always that's always a that's always a good question um you know when we with i mean with the firm it's like we set out to be, like, the best injury firm in Connecticut. Like, that's what we wanted to be. And that is a, like, very amorphous goal. I know, you know, lots of in business are going to tell you set smart goals, right? Like, so it's measurable, attainable. There's a time limit to it. Yeah, I don't um, believe in those either. Um, but... So we were like, well, we want to be the best. Um, and then we're like, well, what what would the best look like? And how could we determine that? And we're like, well, if we, if we get a $10 million verdict, that would, like, sort of, like, un- questionably establish us as the best. Um, but but really what motivates me is, um, you know, I, I think about two things each day as a, as a business owner. I think about focusing on people. That's number one, whether it's my clients or my team. Um, and I think about uh, focusing on product um, and improving the way that we deliver legal services, improving the way that we get results, improving whatever it is that we're doing um, and to me, like, those two things have just yielded more than
0: I think I could have ever hoped for. So what systems have you put in place that have helped you grow? Um, Like,
1: uh, you know, to me, the, everything in business is a choice, and growth is a choice. So if you want to grow, you have to decide to grow. Um, and so with um, systems in place for growth, uh, particularly – um, marketing systems, um, doing doing different things, um, making sure that those systems are maintained, improved, tweaked, measured. We do a lot of data with marketing. Um, also, we do a lot of data with, and we spend a lot of time converting because somebody may call us and then they call somebody else and they call somebody else and we want to be the one that lands the case. Um, so we spend a lot of time on the, on the conversion element um, as well. And, you know, I think the biggest thing overall is like we when we were really small we built ourselves to grow and so what i mean by that is um, you know many businesses use like crms like salesforce being maybe like the most common for a little bit larger businesses but there's sort of other ones we use one specific for legal and you know at the time we were getting like 10 leads a month which is not not very many um but the leads that we were getting i really wanted to convert and it mattered and i also more importantly wanted to build the system because i knew someday we were going to get a lot of leads multiples of 10 a month we were going to get 10 a day uh then we we're going to get 10 a morning um and but i i wanted to build the system that allowed to like us to support that um and so i think it's like we've always sort of um i think you know maybe if you're, if you're looking for like a, a, a metaphor, you know, buy a house that you can move into, not the house that meets your current needs, like for, for size.
0: Okay. You can grow into. You know? Right. You focus a lot of your energy and a lot of your effort on your team and on people. Like you said, what are some of the things, some of the systems that you use to make sure that you're, your team focused and you're focused on the people first?
1: Okay, for um, for for you know for team focused, I mean a lot of it is just I mean like when it comes down to people, it's communication, it's time, it's listening, it's empathy. Um, so it's the kind of thing where it's like you know I'm driving to work and I'm I'm gonna call one of my paralegals. Say, How's it going? And I'm not, I'm I'm gonna talk about work. I'm gonna stop by their office and it's just like having those little conversations like over time builds and then you can do. You know you can do other things like we have like team lunches and we have uh, award shows awards uh, that we do annually and we we have cultural things that we do build into how how it is we operate but i think at the end of it it's just like you know calling people how you doing and listening to them and knowing them so like an actual relationship and shit like an like yeah like an actual relationship and shit um like that that's really i think important Um, and for, you know, and for clients, um, I've got more clients and I have people who I employ. Um, and you know, for that, it's like, well, okay, you've got to scale that, uh, because I could not call all of my clients all the time. Right. Um, but I can systematize the communication. I can train others how to communicate like I would. So the, 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 the paralegal, the automations that we put into place, the, the, the touches, we have a very specific client journey um that we have we have mapped out where they're getting like 90 touches in the first 65 days and I I work in an industry where a lot of people don't know who their lawyer is or they can't get a they can't get they can't get a hold of their lawyer they don't know what's going on in their case and I sort of also um legal's a little bit myopic but I focus on like sort of macro trends and it's like well what is like to me my competition is not a lawyer down the road my competition is Amazon. my competition is Apple. my competition is Delta, chick-fil-A the the companies that people actually interact with uh, because most of the time they're not gonna need a, an injury lawyer most of your most of your life, maybe you need one um so it's like how do I how do I replicate how do I meet those consumer expectations?
0: What do you mean that they're
1: your competition explain that to me well, there's no basis. For most most people, like, if, you know, there are some people who get multiple accidents, right? Mm-hmm. But most people in our business, we represent one time. Um, so there's no way, like, you can compare, say, like, a Burger King burger to a McDonald's burger because yep. you can go to both places. But there's no real way that most consumers have to compare lawyers because they don't, they're not, you know, they don't have six injury lawyers over the course of their life. Um, and so what I what I think about is like, well, their baseline is not my competition. Their baseline is the customer service that they receive at Chick Fil A.
0: And you think Chick Fil A has good customer service? Incredible. Do
1: they? Absolutely. I don't know they're they get no, but like the, the restaurant's always clean. The people are always helpful. Like the orders are correct. They they have very good line management. Like I like I don't eat there all the time, but it's like it's at a very well run, well trained organization with like empowered employees to to deliver a higher level service. Like it's not like you go into like sad Burger King and it's like, you know, sad.
0: So how do you encourage your team to want to do better?
1: Um, first of all, I mean, first of all, you it, it starts I think with the hiring process. Like we're we're pretty hard to get into. Like we will interview people and and turn them away um, because we're we're screening for very specific things. Um, so if you can meet that process, like you're probably going to be uh, you're going to be a fit. And you also have to have to understand that there are different needs at different points in the process. Um, and what I mean by that is like we have somebody who runs numbers and does data. Like that person has a very specific personality type and lives in Excel spreadsheets. And that, that's, that's fucking wonderful. Like I, I love that in my life. But when we we were looking for people who are doing our intakes and we're screening for very high levels of empathy because somebody's calling us and they're being like, you know, my kid died, my mom died. Um, my, my husband was catastrophically hurt and I don't know how I'm going to go forward. Um, and so I want somebody on the other end of the phone who would rather, you know, the last thing they want to do is excel, um, but um, they want to help people and they want they want to be, they want to empathize with who's on the other end of what they're going through, because at that moment, that's what's important. So it's putting the right people in the right seats, um,
0: you know, and it's not hard to spot people people, I think. Right. So I'm a big, I'm big on words. And I imagine as a lawyer, you're big on words too, and what they mean. So you use the word empathy a lot, right? So when we're thinking about empathy, how do you differentiate empathy from sympathy?
1: Uh, that, that that that's easy. I mean, empathy is just the ability to set aside your ego and put yourselves put yourself in somebody else's shoes to the extent possible, and think about what it is that they're going through. And what it is that their needs, and with empathy, like there isn't judgment. Like I, I'm not, you know, I want somebody who picks up the phone and like, look, we get we get varying degrees of things. We get death, paralyzation. I mean, horrible, horrible injuries, and we get people who, um, you know, they were rear-ended in a car accident and their neck hurts. I've had that. Like that sucks. That really does suck. And so I want people who, and they may be in pain, and they may be very upset uh, because uh, the car that they the paperboy for there's no paperboys anymore but if they were the car that they had is destroyed and they're scared that maybe they're going to lose wages and not pay their rent like i want somebody who can you know isn't judging their level of pain on the other end of the phone for me for our firm and who is saying like yeah i recognize
0: what this person is saying is is valid to them so you mentioned that and i'm gonna my add is kicking in sorry you mentioned paperboy right? You were a paperboy. You're a hard worker. You believe in a work ethic. You believe in effort. And you believe in that from childhood because you were a paperboy. And you're a dad now. So how do you start instilling that work ethic in your kids the way that you had it when there aren't as many opportunities for kids to have cool neighborhood jobs? There's more. There's more opportunities now. I,
1: I, I, and, um, man, it, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I think it's like, I mean, look, I mean, like, there, there, there's probably, there's probably some 13 year old out there on TikTok who makes more than I do. Um, and that, that's, that's fucking outstanding. Um, and I think, um, you know, for, for us, I think, I, I I'd like to think, I like to live long enough to see this, um, that the greatest gift that I've given my kids, my wife and I, is showing them how, like how a business is run and how uh, you know, they look at things so differently than I ever did. Like I, my example is my dad, he went, he went to work, like he had a job, he worked for a company. Um, And my kids are like, they're watching shark tank and they're like, you know, they're thinking of business ideas and they're, they're like, you know, they're just inclined to, to think about, I think creation of things and not uh, a job. Um, And so I, 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 i I hope that they I mean my my daughter has sat through me teaching other lawyers like a like seminars on how to fire people um at you know when she was like ten years old and I think like being exposed to some of those things like i I, I think it um you know and, and, and also like we all sort of model behavior in a way and they model seeing the like seeing the hard work and I also think it's important that it's you know for, for me, like they they also see the rewards of that hard work and, and sort of sharing them. But don't
0: you think there's something to be said about being 13, 14 years old and being able to do a physical job and get a physical payment from it? Yes, I understand that there's TikTok. I understand that there's Instagram. I understand that there's there's all of these content creation things. There's all of these things where you can have a big personality, but there's something to be said about guys like you and me that own our businesses now That when we were younger, we had jobs. Like, I worked in greenhouses. I worked with a veterinarian. I worked at a a dairy farm all before I was 16 years old. Like, this was all stuff that I did in the summer to develop an understanding of what it is to have. I think it's hard to run a business if you don't have an understanding of what it is to be an employee. Because how are you going to take care of your employees if you don't know what it is to be one? If you don't have the ability to have that empathy, like it's great that if you're 12 years old and you become a TikTok celebrity and that's all you do for the rest of your life, cool. That's like, that's fun for you. But when it, the the majority of people are not going to land in that spot. The majority of people are going to end up with a job and hopefully a, a handful of them, a good portion of them are going to be able to create their own business. Right. I get a lot of people that are like, oh, I have my own business. I drive for Uber. And I'm like, that's not your own business, bro. Yeah. Like you're an independent contractor with you're an independent contractor with them, but you that's not your own business. Like you didn't you didn't create Uber. Like you you use an app like DoorDash or something like that to create independence for yourself, which is cool, but that's not the same thing as creating your own business and your own version of it to build out a business with people and have systems and have growth and have the true freedom of being able to have a team of people that are excited to come to work and all of you are flourishing and doing what you're doing together. So there's not a lot of those jobs left or opportunities for a 14-year-old to even get a job. That was, like, it was legal to be a paperboy at 13, 14 years old. Like, that was a job. I was 12. You were 12, yeah. right? So you you only made a few dollars a week. Nine but, cents of paper. Right. Journal Enquirer. So, but you still, there's something to be said about having that effort turn into tangible funds that didn't come from your parents, right? Like, I didn't give my kid chores around the house, but I'm still their parent and they're going to give me shit, right? They're going to give me attitude and they're going to give me, you know, they're going to, oh, well, I want this or how much money are you going to pay me? Or like, there's something to be said about, I get a lot of people come to work for me and I'm sure you run into it too. They're like, well, how much are you going to pay me? Like, if that's your first question we're done. Like, I don't, I don't even want to have a conversation with you. Like, cause if that's your first question about working for me, you're, you're misunderstanding everything I'm doing here. Right. Because I'm giving you an opportunity to work in a field that's super creative, super fun. And I'm going to pay you well, like I'm going to pay you a living wage. That's not in question on my end. But if your first question is how much you're going to pay me. And that's what I get from my kids. Right. If I'm like, Oh, go do this job in the yard. How much are you going to pay me? It's like, I'm not gonna pay you shit. I fed you like, go do, go do it. Right. So there's something to be said about that opportunity to have a job outside of your house that gives you tangible work with a tangible earnings. No.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I. I, I, Yeah. I mean, look, I've worked. I've worked every day since I was twelve. I I went to work on my 16th birthday at a nursery shoveling manure. I mean, like like uh, I worked at Walgreens. I mean, I've I've done I've done a host of uh host of jobs um, and I worked. Worth a lot in my life. Um, I I just think, you know, I, I, like, like they're like I I guess I don't worry about that because like they're going to get that experience like, and I think I think they don't get childhood again, like. But I think it's like if they, I, I'm like I'm not I'm I'm like the thing that gives me the actually the most op optimism about like the whole world is like the kids, like like they're like I I feel like kids are kids are all right mm-hmm. um and I think I, I like I'm optimistic about about the future for, because of them uh, or at least because of the kids I meet and see um, uh, and um y- you know i i um i I think like life always like society, all of it all changes like I mean none of this would have been possible even ten years ago. Right. And yet this, you know, podcasting is like a massive business at this point for, for, for so many. And I think that there are just so many opportunities out there that, that will exist that don't even exist today. Oh, I agree. Um, um, and I think it's like giving the skill, like the confidence and the skills uh, for, for those kids to, to recognize it. And yeah, I mean, like, I hope they have a jerk boss. Like, I hope, I hope that they have to, you know, work late and, and get called in and, you know have to deal with angry customers and how to have to you know because all of those things like you know i i particularly hope that they learn sales skills um i think that one of my great gifts was working at enterprise rent a car because i had to learn how to sell that stupid insurance Yep. you know and it's like i but they gave me sales training and it's like okay because if you can sell you can always eat right oh i agree but you're gonna get told no you're gonna to get told no the majority of times. It's gonna feel really awkward the first time you do it, but if you do it enough, you get enough reps in, you get good
0: at it. Right. And when you were a paper boy, you had to sell too, right? Well, or did they give you the route?
1: They gave me the route, but you know, you you would try to expand the route. They give you carrier copies, um, but you know, the thing I realized with the paper route was it wasn't necessarily. This is a big a good business lesson. Like it wasn't expanding my route that really made me much more money. Like, okay, you get nine cents a paper, it's like $2 a week, maybe
0: $100 a year, right? But it was taking good care of my customers who would then tip me more. Right. Well, and that's what I learned in the service industry, right? Like, I was a waiter yep, and a bartender. And you knew that all of the management and all the owners of the restaurant were like upsell, upsell, upsell. Me selling the add-ons was not how I was going to make my extra money. There were servers in there that thought that that was the way to do it. But the way to do it is the way you treat people. When you when people come in and they have a good time and they enjoy your presence and they enjoy you being around and you connect with them and you have an actual relationship with them, whether it's for the hour they're there for dinner or it's two and a half, three years like we have of working together, it's the relationship. It's the, it's the true ability to connect with somebody and look them in the eye and actually be interested in them because you're actually interested in them, not because you have to. I don't think you can fake it. You can't fake it. I, and it's like, I, I enjoyed conversations with
1: like, remember being, you know, 12, 13 years old talking to, you know, world war two veterans who, you know, they were older and out in their driveway and like get the paper coming was like, that was the fucking event of the day. And it's like, you know, talking to them about their life and learning about them and, you know, learning about what other people like for sports teams and like, you know, like there's just such a richness, I think, to connection. And I think I like there are people who
0: who don't care, or don't value that. Um, But if you do like lean into it. Yeah, I wonder if there's a way to teach it. I wonder if there's a way to help people learn how to connect better and actually give a shit about the other person.
1: Look, it, all, like all things can be improved. Um, You know, if you, if you hired me a basketball coach, like I'm sure I could get better at shooting three-pointers. I'm never going to be fucking Steph Curry. Right. So your baseline, I think in life matters. Um, But I think you can, you can get better at things. Anybody can get better. But I I, I think if you're going to get good at anything, Danny, like you've got to love it because you're going to have to do a lot of it. Oh yeah. A lot of it. Like whatever you think is a lot when you start out, it's like. 10 times, 20 times, 100 times more.
0: Yeah. Well, I think people underestimate how important people are when you're running business. Just like whether they're customers, clients, team members, whatever they are, I think people are like, oh, I'm going to focus on being really good at what I do. Like if you could be the best fucking lawyer to ever walk the earth, but if you suck at people, you're probably not going to be the best lawyer for everybody. Well, the best lawyers, Danny, have the best cases.
1: Right. The chicken and egg, right? <laughs> you know, and, and it's like it, 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 um, uh, you know, I, I really deeply believe that the, like, the wealth you create is directly tied to the value that you're able to add to others, and how it's not, like, okay, if you've add value to one person's life, okay, like you can you can maybe make some money. But if you can add value to 100,000 people's lives, then you're going
0: to be fantastically wealthy. Sure. The trick, I suppose, is how do you do that? How do you add value to that many people? Like, what's the thing that you're doing that's going to add value to a large group of people that need that information, that thought process, that, that value, whatever that value is? I think that's
1: You obsess over it, like oh yeah. You obsess. You're like, how how can I make this video add value? How can I make this newsletter add value? How can I make this conversation add value? Like that's what I'm thinking about now. Like if somebody's watching this, like how can I can they can I give them something that maybe makes it just a little bit better? Yeah, you know you know and um you know how can I make this LinkedIn post or how can I make this interaction with a client like all of those different things. Um, And you have to do things not expecting anything in return. Like you have to write the book because you actually care about adding value. And the the miracle is not making money. The miracle is, is like if you do that and just put it out into the universe, like the money comes back because you're actually adding the value. And I think there's a lot of things in
0: the world that don't add much value. No, I think when you love something, that's when it adds value. I think if you look at the internet, and you look at books and you look at, I think if whoever is speaking on the topic or whoever is writing on the topic, whoever is delivering the information, if, they, if they're if they coming from a place of love that they consider to be love, whether you agree with their point of view or not, if they believe that it's coming from a place of love and is going to help, then it's going to win. Like, it's going to work. I don't care if it's if it's political or if it's information or if it's thought or... Whatever it is, I think if if you really look at all the people that are winning on the internet, they love what they're doing. They they believe they believe wholeheartedly in what they're doing and what they're saying, and they know it works for them. So they think it'll work for everybody that listens to them and and gets it. Right. Whether you're Steve O from Jackass, you're, or you're whoever else, you're Gary Vee or if you're whomever, right? Like whoever, whatever they're doing, they love doing it so much. That it instantly adds value because they're excited about it.
1: Yeah, and because to get really good, like love is like the first thing. Like, I could never, I could, I could never love Excel spreadsheets. Like, I I just, I like, I that's not me. I maybe I could, I could learn how to do them. I could, I could get better. I could, I could understand them more. And I have some basic Excel knowledge, but, but like, I'm never going to go because 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 if you love something like you've got to be willing to push through the pain like you've got to go deep you've got to and and when you go deep like that's when you unlock that like i think uncommon knowledge like that's when you have a chance to give an insight like i'm not a food critic and so somebody would be like you know how was this hamburger i'd be like oh it's good so what is it that you love that you do i i love creation i love i love creating things i love uh, helping people. Um you know, and um, you know, law like owning the firm and, and doing these things are just like vehicles, I think, for those things.
0: So Yeah, I mean you obviously know Simon Sinek and you know start with why. Yep. Do you have a why? Yeah. What's your why? <laughs> I, I mean
1: my 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 why is to really squeeze as much juice out of this life as I can. And like make the most of my time. So when I look back, it's not going to be like, well, I squandered it. Like I squandered opportunity. I squandered, uh, you know, I didn't take the risk. I didn't, I didn't do the thing. Um, and so like, I think, you know, that's like, that's what, that's what drives me. Like, it's like, I don't, and I, I feel like a fierce urgency of now. Like it, it it you know, some people are like, Well, I, I, I need to well, maybe I want to do this. And it's like I, I want that to happen now.
0: So how many things are on your list to still do? Or does your list just continuously grow or are you always just doing? I'm always
1: doing. And it continuously grows because there are new opportunities that come up that I that I couldn't think of. Um, so I think part of it is is like I'm an intuitive, I'm a creative. And when you're when you're doing those things like you've got to be in tune with the universe and you've got to sort of be willing to surf you've got to be willing to ride the waves. Yep. And so I'm not necessarily trying to make the world conform to me, but I'm trying to make
0: the most of the world as I'm experiencing it. So what are some of the things that you have done that you wanted to do and that you've accomplished? Well, I mean, I wanted to get a 10 million dollar jury verdict and I got a 100 million dollar jury
1: verdict. Um, you know, I don't just brush over that. I mean, that, that's, that, that's one of the things like I wanted to write a book. Um, and right now I've got, I've got two more on the way. Um, I wanted to marry my wife, did that, uh, wanted to have kids. Um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, career wise, like it's a great source of pride for me to have, you know great place to, to provide for a great place to work it's a great source of pride to me to provide to the community and to give scholarships and give uh you know kids summer camp and, and and the various other things that that we do to to sort of try to make make life a little bit better uh for somebody maybe somebody i've never met um that is uh that to me is just like reward unto itself what's the hardest thing you've ever had to overcome